The following Art Trap production has been made possible in part by subscribers like you. Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi with our special guest Dave Cooper and myself, Louis Trapani, hosting. It's good to be here, Louis. It's good to have you back. And I should clarify that it's you're not just our special guest, but you're the host as well. I, I realized once I said that. I, I wanted to say special and special, you know, guests just followed after that. So you're, you're no longer a guest now. You're you're part of the staple of the show. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I prefer to think of myself as either value-added Dave AC or uh, other people will be know me as uh, James Norton's online dad. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I hopefully uh, James offline dad doesn't feel any competition there. <laughs> so we're back with another edition of Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. I know it's been another couple of months since our last show, and um, we do apologize for for that. And um, but regardless, we're charging ahead forward, and we have some reviews that we want to. Um, talk about and one is well it's now December as we record this but the last time we did a show was before the series began and the series now has concluded and the series that I'm talking about is 13 Bellman Road is where Sarah Jane Smith lives and it's home to things way beyond your imagination there's an extraterrestrial supercomputer in the wall her son a genetically engineered boy genius a schoolgirl investigator across the road, and a whole universe of adventure right here on the doorstep. Ready? Always. The Sarah Jane Adventures, Series 4, which concluded... Well, I know it started in October, and I guess it concluded somewhere mid-November... Fifteenth uh, and sixteenth of November, although of course there are always here in the UK uh, repeats on the, the the various channels, because it was going out if you remember on CBC, to start with and then going out on the BBC HD and so on. But um, the the fifteenth and sixteenth of November was its main uh, final date with the episode Goodbye Sarah Jane Smith. Yes, it also had two episodes per week, so it, they had, um, of, of course, the series goes by that much quicker when you're doing two episodes per week. I think for a younger audience, it's an ideal way. You still mm -hmm. get the benefit of the cliffhanger, but they don't have to wait that long. And uh, I, th I think, it, and also, I'm not saying that the youngsters are that young that they can't, 
keep the pot in their mind and there is always a, a little bit of a recap at the start of the second part but I think it works extremely well for um, a family audience um, it is actually officially a children's program I think but uh, yeah. a lot of us oldies watch it <laughs> well, that, that's something that I always, you know, try to keep in mind while watching it, you know, especially since it follows on the heels of Doctor Who, which is a more of a family show, which includes, you know, obviously children and adults. This is more geared for younger viewers. And, you know, and, and it, it shows in the in the style of the show, but it, it's not demeaning. It's just, um, you know, it just plays to a younger audience. And it doesn't show in the production values either. There can't be many countries in the world where children's programming gets, uh, you know, taken so seriously and brings on such uh, high-quality guest stars. Absolutely, testimony to that would be um, would be this series as well, which had um, well, well maybe getting a little ahead of ourselves, but we had um, Matt Smith appearing in, also Katie Manning from the original Doctor Who series. Yeah, we had Julian Bleach in the in the first story, The Nightmare Man, and uh, people might remember that he actually uh, played uh, Davros, didn't he? Yeah, that's um, a good point that you make there. Um, so, uh, I mean, I don't really want to go through them uh, as individual stories. Uh, I'll, I'll um, move fairly quickly through the, the, the show as a whole, but um, it, it, it certainly was probably the best series, I think, to date. Yeah, they seem to be, each year they seem to be getting better and better. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if, I'm, if I sound distracted here, I'm just adjusting my audio here. Right. Well, <laughs> let me just say that um, one of the things to bear in mind when watching this is that um, uh, one of the actors, Tom Knight, who, who you've interviewed, of course, um, was going off to university, so they had to work a little bit around um, his uh, well, university. That was the most, it, su most surprising aspect of when the series came back, because we had just interviewed him back in, as you said, we had interviewed him on Dr. Upachok back in February of this year, and they began shooting, I'm assuming... Um, you know, obviously, maybe a couple months after that, because it, the series uh, started in October. So uh, I would I would imagine they shot during the summer. I'm not sure. Or, so and, and during that interview, he didn't you know, we spoke a little bit about him going to, um, you know, following his um, academic career and I think he wanted to go into medicine or veterinary medicine and, uh, and that was the direction that he wanted to head into and uh, but he seemed very excited about returning to the series so I think at that point they the, uh, the schedules were not colliding at that point at least he didn't give any indication that they would be because he seemed like he was going to be fully involved with this year's upcoming you know series yeah, I, I, it may well be that uh, they were filming, I don't know, March, April, when he, he may have actually been doing his uh, his A-levels, the exams that would get him into university, oh, rather okay. than actually going off to university. See, that was that my point. next question to you, because I thought maybe, well, I, I know in the U.S., usually the, the school year here starts in September, uh, maybe uh, for universities late August, but so that's why I was kind of confused. I'm like, if he's going to school, wouldn't he, I mean, he should have been able to shoot 
everything and then gone to school. But now if you're taking A-level tests and all that in in, uh, spring, then that might make a difference. Yeah, I think so. You go to university in October, the people that go in the first year go two weeks before. Uh, They have what's called a freshest fortnight for fresh students. But Mm -hmm. I've got a feeling it was probably more to do with him making sure that he got the qualifications he needed to get in and onto the course he wanted. But having talked about Tommy Knight, the the person, I have to say that Luke Smith, the actor, uh, wasn't that greatly missed during the course of the story. And I don't mean that to say that he was a... I don't mean that he's not an asset to the show and it would be better with him in. But the the rest of the cast managed to sort of uh, fill any void that one might have felt there would be, uh, particularly with the uh, the other two young actors uh, coming um, really into their stride, uh, particularly the young lady who played uh, Rani mm-hmm. uh, and the, the boy who played Clyde. Uh, and in fact, one of the things uh, we talked about, I uh, talked about on another podcast, is that you know there are some cynical people that think uh, us old people creak a little bit like people's boilers, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know you might think, well, how long can the Sarah Jane Adventures go? This lady is, you know, playing, uh, and I believe I was somebody said to me, might have been Dale skeptical that. Um, in the actual Sarah Jane Adventures, it alludes to the fact that she's not quite 60, the the, the Sarah Jane character's mm-hmm. age. Uh, and, and some people might be thinking, well, first of all, it's a marvellous role model for young people. How many shows would have a person of her generation leading the show, as it were? But the point is that people would think, well, how many more years can she do it? But in actual fact, I would say that... Um, the young actors are probably a greater time-sensitive element because they are supposed to be, you know, young people. Of course, uh, going back to the actual characters rather than the actors, uh, the reason why Luke Smith has gone off to university and the the two other uh, characters are still... is because he's so bright, he's taken the entrance um, exams to Oxford University early, Mm -hmm. and that's why he goes off and they're still with Sarah Jane. But, I mean, it, uh, presumably, we can't have them still with Sarah Jane when they're in the 20s. So one would think that um, the the time element of the show is not so much uh, the actress uh, Elizabeth oh, it's, Slade. It's the younger um, actors getting older is what you're saying. is gonna They're, they're going to outgrow their characters, in Indeed. a sense. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, especially now that he's gone into university, I don't know whether or not they'll reintroduce younger people into the cast, you know, sort of like, because originally, going back to series one, there was another actress that was playing a different character uh, before Ronnie was established. So uh, maybe, I don't know what the circumstances were, you know, um, in that situation, but she had left the show and then um, the Ronnie character was introduced. So it might be that situation where maybe the, these kids will go off to college and maybe they'll make cameos appearance, cameo appearances from now, you know, here and there, and then there'll be uh, new neighbors or something. Well, in, in talk about uh, art imitating life, in, in this first through the Nightmare Man, one of the things, one of Luke's nightmares is the fact that Sarah Jane takes on another young boy and shows him Mr. Smith and so on. I thought, of the nightmare. yeah, I thought they did that very well. I, the, the nightmare, th- that aspect of the Nightmare Man 
where they focused on like Luke's nightmares, I thought because usually stereotypically when television or movies tap into someone's nightmares, it's always like these cliche nightmarish imagery of you know steak knives and whatever, and and it, it's I think what really frightens younger children are situations like that, like the, losing the love of a parent is would be a nightmare more so than you know a a man with a dog head going after them or something like that, you know, like the cliche stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And I thought they did that very well, where they, his relation, his his fears were uh, dealt with his emotions and dealt with his um, relationship with the Sarah Jane character. And I think they did a great job. Also, I should, you know, for the sake of our audience who um, may not have seen the series yet, and uh, I guess yeah, they, yeah. they might be spoilers here, but I will say that Tommy Knight and Luke Smith, the character, is in the first two episodes, which is tells the story of the Nightmare Man. So he's not completely out of the series, but and he does make cameos via a uh, webcam type of um, interface. You may see a little bit more of him too, but I, that might get into really spoily, spoiler territory. My bad. <laughs> No, no, it's not. I just figured before we go any further to, um, as I said, the series ended last November, but it hasn't been shown in the States yet, and nor do I believe Series 4 is available on iTunes. The previous series are, I think, uh, well, I think Series 1 and 2 is, I'm not sure about 3, are available on iTunes in the U.S., and I think that's because it was tied to the Sci-Fi Channel, was showing, had shown those two series, and after it was shown on the Sci-Fi, it went to iTunes. So it was sort of, um, I guess, a deal between iTunes and the Sci-Fi Channel, just like Doctor Who right now. They don't have Doctor, new Doctor Who episodes until it's on BBC America first. I think it's that situation, and unfortunately, it uh, series four hasn't been shown in the U.S. Nor do I know of any plans of it being shown on the Sci-Fi Channel or BBC America. And um, because of that, it's not on iTunes yet either. And um, so, people that haven't seen it in the U.S. yet really need to wait for the DVD release. Yeah, and I think uh, we, we've we've already mentioned that the each episode, uh, each story is a two episode thing, and with them being twenty five minutes each, even with the the sort of recap and the credits, you're basically getting the equivalent of a, a 45, 46 minute Doctor Who episode. So, mm-hmm. even though they are for children, there's quite a little bit of complexity within the plot. Yes, yes. And again, tying to Doctor Who, what we were getting at before was there's a one story in here which falls pretty much in the middle of the series called Death of the Doctor, has once again the Doctor returning. This time it's Matt Smith. If you recall last year, I think it was uh, the wedding of Sarah Jane or Sarah Jane's wedding. Yeah, the wedding of Sarah Jane, I think, yes. That had the Doctor returning, but in that case it was David Tennant. So we have um, once again Sarah Jane being introduced to another new doctor the latest doctor and uh, plus we see a past companion which um, was uh, oh, beautiful. Katie, Katie Manning playing, reprising her role as uh, Joe Grant though now it's Joe Jones it's interesting there because it was uh, the preceding companion to the Sarah Jane Smith's part in the in the Doctor Who adventures. So that particular episode is great for any Doctor Who fan, and it really is very nostalgic in um, you know its send up to Doctor Who. And um, the only negative thing I would say about that, and and this 
has no, well, the only negative is that, it, 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 unfortunately, because of the situation, I understand why they couldn't do it, but I just felt there were people mess, missing in there. So while I was watching it, I'm like, I really, really wish Nicholas Courtney was in it, or you know, I, I wish um, John Levine was in it as well, because because of the story in it, you would think that it. it, it these characters would definitely make an appearance in this in this story, but uh, uh, John Levine's living in Los Angeles now, so they would have to fly him out to the UK. And unfortunately, Nicholas Courtney's health isn't that great right now, to my understanding. So, um, you know, his what what he could, you know, his participation in it would be limited. Right, indeed. Uh, and um, there's also some nice things because uh, we learned that um, when when the 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 last doctor, the tenth doctor, uh, was was um, having his long farewell as it was, and we saw on screen mm-hmm. visiting uh, Rose and so on. Um, it's alluded to in this that yes. he went and visited all his past companions. Yeah, I, I thought uh, that was and kept an nice. eye on them. Yeah, at the end of you know during, we're going back to David Tennant's uh, regeneration scene uh, into Matt Smith, and uh, this is going back to the end of time which is um, almost a year ago now. And at that time, a lot of us were criticizing that scene being taken too long, to, you know, because he got the radiation and then it just seemed to linger so long before he actually regenerated. And um, But it seems like now it's even longer than what we've even seen on screen. Indeed, yeah. And also there's, uh, there's some things, although um, the uh, Katie Manning... Uh, Joe Joe Jones, as she's known here, not mm-hmm. Joe Grant, of course. Uh, married she married the yes. uh, the Welsh uh, geologist, doesn't she? Um, she mentions about some of the other people and what they're doing now. Uh, and there's maybe one controversial thing, although whether it can be taken seriously or not, and that's about the first two companions. Well, yeah, there's a scene in it where Sarah Jane mentions some of the other companions. And and Sarah Jane being an investigative reporter, it makes sense that maybe after her time with the doctor, maybe she did investigate to see uh, maybe if other people had traveled with him and sought those people out, you know, maybe not introduced herself to them, but sought, investigated them and uh, find out what they were up to. And um, so... So yeah, I, I I don't know if we want to spoil it, but they they no, do yeah. they they do make a mention of um, a couple of original companions and uh, and yeah, let them find yeah. out. Okay, <laughs> let them find. But uh, absolutely, but it, it is nice that they are allowed. Uh, I believe so many times in uh, U.S. U.S. television, you know, they can't mention certain things because it's you know they you know they cross. Uh, categories are cross. Uh, shows move from one. Uh, people like when Buffy and Angel, uh, at first they had crossovers and then they weren't allowed to do crossovers and so on. It, it is really marvellous. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of the stories and one of the, uh, I mean, w- we've skipped over the um, the Vault of Secrets, but um, the thing is as well that as far as I understand it, although the, the, uh, the viewership for the death of the Doctor was the highest one up to that point, I think even the later episodes after that got even higher viewership so you know people didn't just tune in for that one episode and then leave the series because of course we're followed by three more the empty planet lost in time and goodbye sarah jane i don't know if you want to refer to any of those in particular well i um i was just re-watching vault of secrets again because what i plan to do is um as um bonus content in um for the iphone app for the sonic 
news drivers do some reviews of these episodes and I was just rewatching the Vault of Secrets again and and um, it, we were talking about Doctor Who tie-ins and that too had a couple Doctor Who tie-ins so first we had the Men in Black which I believe were the same group that we saw in the animated adventure which took place um, in the US and it was um, what is it? Dream Dream uh, Dreamland Dreamland no uh, dream, uh, was, was it called that yes Okay. <laughs> it's terrible getting old. <laughs> Dreamland. It was called Dreamland. Yes. Yeah. And um, so th- they had the Men in Black return. And also there was a reference to, if I'm not mistaken, the Pyramids of Mars in that, where uh, there's a Mars rover, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, a NASA probe on Mars, and Sarah Jane had to s- prevent it from discovering too much of Mars. So I thought that was a nice um, callback to um, to to the Doctor Who series, and and, and, and to again show the fact that some, the the younger characters are you know flowering quite well. There was the empty planet, which depended basically just on the the, the two young leads. Uh, yes, yes, that was. Um, I, I'm assuming that's sort of like the, the the overlap episodes. You know, in the Doctor Who series, we call them the Doctor Light episodes because that didn't have um, Elizabeth Sladen in it really for the most part. And so I figured that that they were probably over. You know, shooting that while they were shooting another episode as well. So, yeah, but I thought that was a good story as well. And th- even that was echoing to. Um, some Doctor Who adventures of the past. It was um, where was it the android in um, in no um, terror. Uh, um, I'm getting rusty with my names now. Uh, it, it, the Tom Baker story where where him and and, and Sarah Jane are they they land on Earth in the in the UK and it's abandoned. They're in, they go into a, a village and there's uh, no... Yeah. Um, I'm not bringing the name to mind. Androids of Terror or ta- something uh, like that? Oh, yeah, her first adventure with the Doctor, wasn't it? No, uh, no, 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 no. That was in time, sorry. Andrew, yeah, we're getting shouted at. I can hear the people shouting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's uh, I am Sheridan. Shut up. <laughs> it was the android invasion. That was my original thought. This is future Lewis speaking on behalf of past Lewis. Again, it's an interesting um, series. It was, uh, I think, overall, it was a good series. And there, another piece going back to Death of the Doctor, uh, that episode, Death of the Doctor, a little piece of um. I guess some controversy emerged out of that because the doctor had made a mention of how many times he can regenerate because Clyde, uh, you know, the the character in it had asked him, you know, because he uh, again the last time they saw him was David Tennant, so now it's a new doctor. So there's a scene there where he asks how many times he can regenerate, and he sort of just says like 507 or something like that. And it's just one of those things that um, Russell T Davies, who's who wrote that episode and is um, is still the executive producer of the series, had thrown in had thrown in there, sort of, uh, you know, because up until now it's been established that a Time Lord can regenerate 12 times, but uh, as I've been saying, after now that the Time Lords are gone, anything is possible, so who knows if that limitation is still there, and and it seems just like the Doctor just said an arbitrary number there, you know, it's just like asking how long am I going to live, you, you don't know, you can just throw out, you know, a number. And uh, let me say, I think my favorite episode, uh, story of the thing, was the, the next one, the Lost in Time one. Uh, although uh, I wasn't quite sure about the setup because there was the odd 
floor in the setup with um, the, the the objects that they have to actually uh, bring back. But I love the fact that they were in three different time zones, and each of the the main characters had their own puzzle to solve, as it were. Yeah, I, I thought the concept I liked, but I think what you touched upon as well was. Um Shopkeeper. The, the, the shopkeeper, that aspect of it, I didn't really get that. That didn't really, uh, you know, I, I seemed to, it, it seemed to miss there. But I love the concept of this, of, you know, being in different time periods and working, you know, trying to uh, solve the puzzle and all that. But it's just, I didn't understand what it was all about. No. But it, it, it was good to see them in those uh, characters. And then, of course, um, final one which again didn't disappoint uh was the goodbye sarah jane smith yes it's um and that's that concluded the series yep um i don't know again we, we're trying not to be spoilerish but uh, let me say that i i thoroughly enjoyed it i look forward to more sarah jane adventures Yes, and I know they when they commissioned this series, they also commissioned another one, so we know that there's definitely another series in the works. I just don't know schedule-wise. We, we can assume it will be next fall, next autumn. So, Well, it's getting rather complicated, isn't it, uh, with what's yes, happening with, that's the, right. uh, yeah, with, with the, the split, split yeah, of Doctor... Well, what we're getting at is that next year, 2011, which is only weeks away now, <laughs> hard to believe, is uh, Doctor Who will be uh, having, well, what Stephen Moffat says, two series, which is like two miniseries, you know, have, instead of having uh, 13 episodes all one after another, it will have, what, six and then seven or, or, or seven and then six or something like that. I think so, but this is to become thing. I mean, I don't know whether I can mention another show, but I mean, uh, one of the things with uh, Merlin that's been on in the UK and has just ended, they're talking about the series four of that has been commissioned, but that might only be 10 episodes rather than 13. And there's speculation, certainly, that uh, the reason why it's only 10 is not budgetary reasons, but uh, it's a, a point of you know, fitting it in between. Uh, the various things because uh, obviously Merlin, Sarah Jane Adventures, um, Doctor Who and of course now Sherlock all produced by the BBC they don't really want to run them off against one another although you could argue that Sarah Jane Adventures is addressing a different audience but it does seem as though uh, there's been quite a bit of juggling. Some of it, I think, is to give Stephen Moffat, although he doesn't work on all those, of course, but with working on Sherlock and working on Doctor Who, it, it's to give him some way of managing um, his work schedules. Because, of course, they also have to do all these promotional things and, uh, and no doubt, uh, no doubt producing producing one, they're promoting another, and they're filming another. So it's... How they juggle it all, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I was just reading not too long ago that Stephen Moffat was writing the upcoming Doctor Who Christmas special, A Christmas Carol, while he was stuck in the U.S. If you recall back in, I guess it was April when they were in the U.S. doing the promotion for the launch of Doctor Who here on BBC America, they were um, they got stuck because of the ash cloud that was looming over the UK and there were no flights going to the UK at that point so the uh, the whole you know the whole UK crew here in the US kind of got stuck here for i don't know a um, certain amount of days before they were able to return back to the UK so he was on a he was on a schedule he had a deadline to meet for uh, 
a Christmas Carol. So um, what he did was, since he, Los Angeles is a warmer climate than um, <laughs> than what you would expect during the holiday season, so he what he, he he got himself in the mood by turning the AC, the air conditioner, up in his uh, hotel room and got himself in the spirit of Christmas. So, um, but yeah, like it just goes to what you were saying about how they're juggling so much and overlapping, and there's just so much going on. There's so much on everyone's plate, and they managed to get it all done, though. And uh, but going back to what you were saying about season lengths, we should make a point that this series of Sarah Jane Smith, uh, Sarah Jane Adventures, rather, is actually longer than the past series. Instead of ten episodes, this one was twelve episodes. So we got an extra story in this one. And the other thing that amazed me, I, I th- when Danny Tennant's Doctor was going to be in the earliest Sarah Jane Adventures, they did a reshuffle because he was supposed to be in the final two part, I believe. I didn't seem to have made that effort to do so with Matt Smith because he's firmly in the middle of the series. And um, in some ways, I think it's probably better not to end with a Doctor one because, after all, it is Sarah Jane's mm-hmm. series. Yeah, and it also why you know why wait till the end where you can maybe bring in some Doctor Who viewers and have them discover the series midway through the series instead of like you know them discovering the series and then it's over and you know there's nothing more to watch you know until the re- you know unless they watch the reruns. So yeah, I agree. It's I think it worked w- very well, and um, you know it's I, I think overall it's worth watching. I know some Doctor Who fans uh, don't watch it because they just write it off as being a children's show. But if you go into the series, you know, with knowing that it's a, it's a children's show, but it's still entertaining. It's still it's the, as you said, it doesn't lack in production value, and it, and it doesn't. It's just um, it's just geared for a different mindset, but it's still enjoyable it's just on it's just a again you just have to know that going into if you if you you know you can't expect it's just like and another great series by Stephen Moffat and um and you just mentioned it and Mark Gatiss is is um Sherlock Holmes or just it's sure. Sherlock yeah. is the title and that's an incredible series but again that's that wasn't aimed at children it's more aimed at adults and um and but it's excellent writing excellent characters and um i i i know the last time we did an episode i hadn't seen it yet and i've seen it since so i high pra- even though it's not science fiction it was written by um you know it was co-created by two people that have obviously roots in doctor who so excellent yes. work yes and it, it, it does have a couple of Doctor Who guest stars in it. I mean, uh, uh, the taxi driver in one of them was the soothsayer from the fires of Pompeii. And also um, Martin Freeman, who um, plays um, Watson, also played um, in the Hitchhiker's Guide to um, the Galaxy, the, the movie version that just came out not too long ago, a few years ago. He played Arthur and, Dent. And he's going to be the lead role in The Hobbit. That's right, which also is confirmed that Sylvester McCoy will be in that movie as well, who played the Seventh Doctor in Doctor Who. Oh, I like playing connections. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Kevin Bacon's in there somewhere. We just have to figure it out. (laughs) Well, uh, anything else that we need to talk about as far as Sarah Jane goes? Well, I could talk about it for a long time. Uh, it's taken up a good chunk of this episode, and if you're going to do some more for it uh, on another thing, um, no, I absolutely say that uh, don't don't turn your nose up at it. It is excellent. Sarah Jane is always, or I should I say, Elizabeth Sladen is always watchable. 
the cast as well. The, if you're a Tommy Knight fan, you might be slightly disappointed in, you know, lack of seeing him. The the other actors have come on leaps and bounds, and I'm not even sure I dare try to pronounce the actress's name who plays Randy, Randy Chandra. It's Angie Mohindra, I think. Uh, and uh, Clyde is played by Daniel Anthony, and mm -hmm. uh, they step up to the mark. Yeah, excellent um, work by them all. And um, it was, uh, I, I think, if I think it's script editor, if, if not, I'm not mistaken, is uh, Gary Russell, from which has long roots in Doctor Who, and um, obviously Russell T Davies, and. Um, well, I mean, the the um, by Sarah Jane was the writer was Gareth Roberts. Yes. And, and Clayton. So, yeah, mm -hmm. there's, there are crossovers and so on. Well, in honor of the BBC bringing Douglas Adams' Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency to television this week, we're going to make that our audible audiobook selection for this episode of Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. Audible is the leading provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 75,000 titles to choose from in every genre, be it thrillers or business, history, science fiction and fantasy, and so much more. You really need to check them out. Audible content is compatible with your iPods and iPads and iPhones and I, well, any MP3 player. Over 500 devices for your listening pleasure anytime, anywhere, just like this podcast. And for you listeners of The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. Now, to download your free audiobook, simply go to audiblepodcast.com slash arttrap. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash arttrap, A-R-T-T-R-A-P, for your free audiobook. And as I said, we're selecting Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency as our referral or suggestion as your free audiobook. It could be anything you like, but this is um, something that's pretty current right now with the BBC bringing it to television. Harry Enfield and Billy Boyd star in this full cast dramatization of Douglas Adams' first Dirk Gently book, and it's directed by the award-winning Dirk Maggs. Dirk Gently has an unshakable belief in the interconnectedness of all things. But his holistic detective agency mainly succeeds in tracking down missing cats and old ladies. Then Dirk stumbles upon an old friend behaving bizarrely, and he's drawn into a four billion year old mystery that must be solved if the human race is to avoid immediate extinction. Come on, sis. Hi, this is Susan Way. Scraping a living or spending it. So talk after the beep. Susan, hi, it's Gordon. 9 p.m. Thursday on my way over to the cottage. Listen, got the Californians over for the weekend to thrash out this software deal. And look, I hate to ask you this sort of thing, but can you have a word with Richard? I just need to know that he's working on Anthem 2. I mean, really working on it. Every time I see his computer screen, he's got a picture of a sofa spinning on it. And I'm not paying him for. Bite. That was bright. Sodding lorries. Never dip them properly. Lucky I didn't end up in a ditch. That would be something, wouldn't it? Leaving your famous last words on an answering machine. Hold on a sec, Susan. Think I've got a noise in the boot. Nah. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Lorries. Light-activated dipper switches. Yes. The Department of the Environment owes me a favor. We've got the technology if they've got the legislation. 
What's the point of a CBE if you can't kick a little ass? <laughs> you can tell I've been talking to Americans all week. I've got a boot full of shotguns. See the lengths I go to to make them feel at home. What is this obsession they have for shooting my rabbits? I should get some of those Beverly Hills signs on my lawn that say, Armed response. Little ones, low down, so the rabbits can read them. Ah, sorry, I'll have to pull over and see to the boot. If he turns up at yours, can you get through to him how vital his input is? Richard is Anthem 2, and Way Forward Tech is a commercial bloody business, not a playground for adolescent code crunchers. Hold me a sec. Hang on. For a car, you wouldn't believe. I believe I'm instructed to shoot off. Hello, are you comfortable? Hello, surely you need the red liquid. then? Funny time for a priest to be lugging sacks around. Maybe he's a late-night organic vicar. Hi. Susan, Susan it's me. Susan. And there you have it. A sample of Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, a dramatization available on Audible right now. You can make that your free selection. It also stars Andrew Sachs from uh, Faulty Towers, Jim Carter from The Golden Compass, and Olivia Coleman from Peep Show. So other familiar voices that you may have heard before are in this audiobook. So check it out. Once again, you can get your free audiobook by going to audiblepodcast.com slash arttrap. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash arttrap, A-R-T-T-R-A-P, for your free audiobook. And if you're driving right now, just like that, just like I'm assuming was going on in that clip, well, don't worry. Just go to arttrap.com and we have links there for the Audible offer. Doctor Who Pod Shop. Okay, well, let's do it now. I, you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, we blew that. <laughs> I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? You can find Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, right now in iTunes. Do a search for it now. Well, we're going to go from our review of the Sarah Jane Adventures Series 4 to uh, another... Well, it's it's interesting. It's a, it's another British science fiction series, though um, some people may not be familiar with it. And 
name's Brogan. Lieutenant Brogan. For 20 years, I was with the NYPD. Now? Well, let's just say I've transferred to another precinct. Well, what we're talking about is a series called Space Precinct, which was, um, which was originally on the Sky Network in the UK from 1994 to 1995. And um, Sky is a, uh, Dave, you would say Sky is a, um, a satellite channel? Well, well, Sky itself is an actual collection of channels, but Sky One is the sort of general entertainment channel that um, it's like the default channel BBC One is for BBC. So Sky One is their uh, sort of programme where you have a mixture of live entertainment and quiz shows and science fiction. It's their number one channel in terms of uh, bringing viewership in, yes, certainly. Okay, so it was originally on Sky, then I think it went to um, maybe BBC Two or... That's right. This was um, a Jerry Anderson series. Now, Jerry Anderson should be familiar to you if you're a a British science fiction fan because he's done outstanding series previously going sort of backwards, you know, going in reverse order. Uh, He's done Space 1999. He did the UFO series, uh, Thunderbirds. um, He did, like, Zed Cars or... Uh, oh, I did lots of uh, other ones. Uh, I'm trying to think now. There was the, uh, was it Supercar and yeah, something like that. Yes, uh, Captain Scar. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. <laughs> so, I mean, he originally uh, these original original earlier series had marionettes as characters, and then uh, um, he d- did a lot of work with um, models, and uh, a lot of people have uh, that he had worked with had went on to do grander things like Derek Meddings, I believe, did some model work, and then he went on to do the James Bond adventures, and um, I think you know, unfortunately, I think he's. He's passed on, you know, today, but uh, he's he's did a lot of great work there with models. Again, in Space 1909, you had um, um, oh, I'm just having a well, a, a, well, well I just think that I mean, th- these were not puppets; these were mar- marionettes. And to use Jerry Anderson's coined phrase, super marination. Yes, <laughs> shot in super or filmed in super marination. Yes. Real impressive stuff, you know, his, his dossier, if you will, his um, the line of uh, series that's under his belt. So he's he created and produced this series called um, Pre- um, Space Precinct, which is um, not to be confused with Star Cops, which sometimes I do, you know, when I when I because, you know, obviously uh, they're two police shows. But they're, if you ever seen Star Cops, which is um, a police drama set in um in a, in a science fiction setting, the, the, the two are very different, where Star Cops was basically a police drama with uh, just set in the future, so there's, it takes place you know, in landscape or the set in the environment of space as well as on Earth and all that. It, it didn't have any science fiction elements uh, like aliens or alien threats or anything like that going on in it, where this series definitely embraces that 
um, you know, the, the, the sci-fi element of alien races. In fact, it takes place in the year 2040, which might be a little short-sighted because we seem to have integrated with, with several different alien races, and it's only, I mean, granted this series was made in the mid-90s, but still 2040 isn't that far away. I don't know how we advance so much in such a short time that we're, um, you know, we have various different, um, I, you know, I, the science here isn't exactly true. <laughs> it isn't exactly realistic. Well, it, it was also, there was, um, it had an earlier thing called uh, Space Police that didn't really get going. I only had one episode or something, and it shelved for some time. And, and I must just say at this point, because Ian Six Doctor will kill me, you know, another one of his series was Terror Hawks, and that's yes. his favourite yes. series. Ter <laughs> from, from, but um, yeah, so it was a shelved uh, program, so it was 1994, there's a lot more interest, you know, getting back. It probably um, was the precursor to this, I bet. I, I hadn't, I haven't seen that, that, um, space, space police. police. Yeah, uh, it's uh, certainly, uh, as far as I understand it, I mean, there was probably lots of changes in the, in the setup and so on. And uh, of course, it had an American lead action. Space well, uh, well, this now we, uh, this goes back to my point. Uh, this goes back further because, um, well, first of all, many assume or or think that um, that the UFO uh, was the lead in was the setup for Space 1999, and in, in a certain sense, it, there's some parallels there, and you you could argue that or not. There was going to be a um, I, uh, I think, if I re remember correctly, I think there was going to be a sequel or, or a second season of UFO, and I think then that got sort of got transformed into Space 1999. So there might have been some some initial like uh, sort of going. If if um, you recall, or if you're a Star Trek fan, there was going to be a st uh, another Star Trek series following the um, going back to like in the mid 70s, or you know they were working on a, on relaunch another Star Trek series then and then that was transformed into the motion picture and then we had the, the various film films that came after that but some of the stuff that was developed for the new series found its way into the motion picture like the, the redesigner the Enterprise found its way to that so I think some of the stuff that they might have done with UFO like the, the next season of UFO that might have found its way to Space 1909 but it's not exactly a continuation of one from the other but there's certain elements that could have crossed over, but but I think maybe that might be the case. With even though I haven't seen it, space police going into space precinct might have had that same sort of thing. Where okay, maybe they learn from their mistakes in one, and then they they brought maybe some of that into the next one and developed it a step further. Now I. I do you have to say if you are a big fan of UFO or or Space Ninety Nine or or any of the the uh, Marionette? adventures before that that this series is takes a very different um tone to it it's not it, it, it's not when i say it, it incorporates science fiction elements in it it's it's not die hard core science fiction this is very much a a police drama series a sort of i think what they call a procedural police drama type of thing where and it's and it's just set. It just has. It's just set in a science fiction landscape. So you have. Um, it, it as the name implies. It, it's a story about police, and the police are um, are 
are made up of humans and aliens together and they're they're working and and basically you can take these stories pretty much and and just put them on earth today and obviously you would have to make some changes in some of the characters and all that but it could actually work that way too it's not blade runner it's not life on mars it's it, those have different um, this this more similar to Sarah Jane Adventures. This is more of a family oriented or or aimed at um, younger viewers as well as older viewers. So it, even though it's a police drama, it's not that harsh or, or not gritty. Yeah. Yeah. I think also a lot of uh, things are happening off screen before these different programs were made because we should really completely dismiss the the uh, Jerry's wife's Sylvia and Sylvia Anderson. Yeah, that had an awful lot of input in the others, but uh, when they split up, it caused a lot of, you know, issues with uh, what they could go ahead with. So there was this long, dare we use the word, hiatus, and uh, I think he had a lot of things in development. As you say, UFO, they tried to revive it, and then it got uh, changed or morphed into Space 1999. But this one, where all the others had a definite... English, although I suppose you could say with Space 1999, they went for this sort of mid-Atlantic uh, amalgam of American and British uh, actors and actresses. Uh, but this one definitely has more of a... Uh, I'm only very, very remembering it vaguely because I haven't seen... I didn't see it all, but I saw only a few, and that is what, um, nearly 20 well, years ago? Yeah. 15 years yeah, when this series first came out, it was the mid-90s, and I saw it on, um, unfortunately, in the U.S., it was um, it was on one of the uh, syndicated channels here, and they showed it uh, usually at odd hours and in, in inconsist- inconsistent hours, so it was usually, like, late, which didn't affect me because, you know, I'm, I'm a night owl anyway, so... <laughs> But it, it didn't find its audience because of that. I think it was it was always after I would say 11:30, more likely between 12:30 or, or like 1 a.m. or whatever they would show this. On, um, and to my understanding, it was also on the Sci-Fi Channel as well at one point. But I don't think it really found <clears throat> its um, its audience. But what you were saying, Dave, though, is um, it does incorporate both American and UK actors in it. So it's it's definitely. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, I got something caught in my throat there. But it's, well, it's well, it, it, just well, like well, Space Sentinel Nine had Martin Landau and Barbara Bain, who uh, were American, and um, you know they they were appealing. To, uh, it was definitely a, um, an effort to appeal to um, a cross Atlantic audience, and this right. this does the same. Now there were, as far as I understand, twenty four episodes of this uh, produced in that time. Uh, the, the, I mean, not including this Space Police, which was in 83. That was a single one, so... Well, this series, it, it stars uh, Ted Shackerford, um, Shackerford, um I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, but he, he's uh, originally, um, you may have known him from Dallas, and also Rob Youngblood, who uh, was in uh, NYPD Blue and Sliders, uh, so they're both Americans, and they're, they're, they star in this. So, uh, again, it's an eclectic type of um, casting. But I think it worked well, you know, and it had certain uh, stereotypical things that you would see, uh, archetypes in the, in the police um, dramas. You had, like, instead of um, 
you have like a um, a sergeant there that's a crum a, a type of character. It, he's an alien though, but I think he has a a, a bit of a um, Irish accent. I think so. It's 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 interesting and. It's a New York City cop that's transplanted um, with his family into uh, this space precinct, which so there's sort of a fish out of water thing of him adjusting to working with aliens. And um, so if it's that sort of thing going on, uh, the special effects are all models. There's no like really CGI effects. Again, this was the mid 90s. So CGI on television was just coming into being with Babylon 5 and all that. So this this was st- still using the classic uh, Jerry Anderson model type of special effects work, which is interesting to see. Uh, it's um, again, since it is a product of the mid '90s, it's still it's in standard definition. It's four by three aspect ratio. There, there's that as well. Um, as far as the DVD set goes, it's I was a little when we were planning this show, Dave and I, to record this episode. I was a little worried at first before you know diving into the DVD box set whether or not I was going to have time to explore all the extras and the commentaries and all that you know in time for this recording. But I have to say the DVD box set is very plain vanilla. There's no extras whatsoever. In fact, there's not even an episode listing which really surprised me. I thought usually even a plain vanilla box set will have a card with just the names of the episodes and the discs that they can be found on. Not even that. So that's a bit disappointing. The episodes, and, and then the episodes themselves have the commercial breaks, but they have, uh, instead of just fading to black, they have the logo that a- appears on the screen. A minor point, you can dismiss, you know, it's just, it was kind of surprising at first, you know, you're watching it and all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the logo appears on the screen and then you know those are the were made for commercial breaks so those aren't even edited out so they're still in there and um but the the box set if you're expecting any any there's no commentaries there's no extras there's nothing there's not even an episode listing so that would be my only real disappointment with the box set you there on the disc itself when you plug it when you at first, I thought, okay, well, maybe the card is just missing on my box set, and, uh, yeah. and it was just uh, a mishap. But when you plug in the, when you first get the disc, you know, if you take your first disc and put it on your, put it in your DVD player, it says, for episode listings, go to uh, www. I think it's spaceprecinct.com or whatever it is. So you have to go online to get that, which is uh, a little disappointing. But um, otherwise, if you're if this is um, if you're not familiar with sp- space precinct and you're looking for something some new science fiction that um, even though this isn't new but it might be new to you uh, this might be something worthwhile checking into it's um, as I said the the, uh, the the science isn't really there it's not don't expect to be um, and I don't even think it's meant to have an effect like maybe um, Star Trek The Next Generation. It doesn't have um, the stories are entertaining, but it's you sort of die, you, you watch them, you're entertained, and then you kind of move on and, and look forward to the next story. But it's not where you'll be thinking about these stories for, you know, <laughs> you know days on end or whatever. It's, it's meant to be just entertaining and fun. And I think it fulfills that. And it's... Um, Overall, I, I mean, I would give it maybe three and a half. Well, I don't know what to call it. Stars, uh, three and a half sirens. Over shields. 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 
you know, out of, out of five, maybe uh, overall. I'm to be honest, I'm just I'm still watching because I even though I did watch it in the mid '90s, I didn't watch all of it, and I hadn't seen it since, so I'm kind of rusty. But uh, some of the episodes are sort of hit and miss. Uh, but some of them are surprisingly good. I was uh, I was watching one episode and uh, I was watching it and it seemed very it seemed very cliche at first. Uh, the, the story I was it seemed very predictable. I, and I was right up to a certain point and then I I can't really get into it because it will get into a spoiler. But there's a certain spoil a certain spoilery thing that happens and when it does happen, there's something else that it takes a turn and I wasn't expecting that turn. Even though everything up to that point was very predictable. I enjoyed, I would say, um, out of the handful of episodes I've seen so far, it's probably one of my favorites, even though it starts off being very predictable. So, and also, like, the first episode, the pilot, I didn't think is, um, it, 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 I don't think it was um, that great as, as as opposed to maybe the episodes that follow it. So, if you're, maybe if you're renting this or you, um, you might want to just, you know, just continue on, just go forward and, and keep watching it. And I think it's um, it's entertaining and it gives, um, or especially if you're into science fiction, it gives you something else to, um, to, um, to entertain yourself with. Well, a couple of points. Firstly, uh, I, I think these things need to be brought out on DVD because there will always be a market for these things. Uh, they don't deserve to get lost. Uh, you've already told us that you, you found merit in in quite a number of the episodes. So that's the case. They don't do themselves any favours if they don't at least give the, the viewer some little bit of background to it. But that is an aside. Can I just ask, uh, I know there's 24 episodes, what, what sort of the lengths are the episodes? Are they 25-minute ones, 50-minute ones? I, I think they're, um, they're, I think, I believe they're about like 45 minutes, somewhere. So they're the, stand, like the like Star Trek episode, I yeah. mean, yeah. Yeah, because when they were shown in the U.S., they filled an hour slot with commercials. Right. The other thing is that, uh, I mean, like when I talk on another podcast, about uh, episodes of uh, The Twilight Zone. Uh, some people say, oh, it's a bit cliché, that. But, of course, when it was made, it wasn't a cliché. It's just been copied so many times since. Now, admittedly, this is in the 1995, but uh, often I think people watching something that was made years ago need to remember that, you know, that plot twist they think is oh so convenient now. That might have been, in this particular series, the first time that plot twist was used, or certainly wasn't as well-trodden a path than it is now. Yeah, yeah, and, and as I was saying before, it's not a police drama like uh, Life on Mars is. It's where Life on Mars got very like realistic and and gritty and all that. This was more of a product of going from the '80s police dramas to 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 the '90s, and and it it's sort of like Adam Twelve in space. It's 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 still it's it's meant really for family and younger viewers. So it's you know again just going into the series with that already in mind and also as i said the spine the science in it is a bit naff so if you if you're going to nitpick on the science you're not going to enjoy it i know a lot of people you know get on space 1909's case about the science and all that but if if that's an issue then don't you know this may you may want to steer away from that but if you suspend your your disbelief and just go into uh the, the story aspects of it it's like i said it's an it's an entertaining fair yeah 
All right, well, that's out now. It came out. In fact, it came out on November 23rd, the day after your birthday, as well as on the anniversary of Doctor Who. That's out available from Image Entertainment. Is um, It's available on DVD, and you can find it on Amazon and other resources. And I'm assuming it's um, the, the, the one that I have here. It's a, it's a Region 1 disc, though it doesn't say Region 1, so I don't know if it's, if it's not... If it's you know region zero, region three. yeah. So I think region thirteen is the one that's sort of all regions. I, I thought it was region zero was meant to be um, all regions, but I don't know. Um, the, the one that I have here is NTC, NTSC. I'm assuming there's a PAL version out in the UK. Right. All right. Well, we have some news to cover, and um, and then we'll wrap things up. And I know you had meant we had spoke a little bit before we started recording, and I know uh, even though it's now going to be shown in the U.S., it still has its origins in the U.K. And that's Torchwood, which is a spinoff of Doctor Who, and it's um, Russell T. Davies is now in the U.S. and he's uh, launching it on the Stars Network, which is a premium uh, movie channel here in the U.S. and it's um, it's set for I think summer of 2011. And it should be going, they should be shooting next month, I believe. They're beginning shooting for it. So, obviously, all the pre production stuff is being done now, and which includes casting. And I know they just, um, there's some, there's been a lot of casting news. And I think the most recent is, though I don't have a name, they, they had cast someone as a CIA agent that um, Jack is supposed to have a relationship with to some effect. I think that was the latest news I had heard. Yes. Uh, let me just see if I can just. Uh bring that up um oh so many pages <laughs> um yeah um mikai pfeiffer best known mm-hmm. as dr gregory pratt on nbc's long-running medical drama er so apologies for his name he's joining the cast of torchwood playing rex matheson one of the three leads alongside john barman and eve miles the, I mean, they, they described um, the character before as, um, you know, being um, a high. Let me just see what it says. He's supposed to be a 28 year old golden boy, Harvard educated, fast tracked in the CIA, destined for success. Rex hustles, seduces, and campaigns to get where he is today. He can talk his way into anything and charm his way out of it fast. He's made a lot of enemies, but his uh, friends and lovers would defend him to his death. So that's the sort of character that, that this uh, a black actor will be taking the role of. Oh, okay. Very good. So um, we're very excited about this. And, you know, it's been such a long time since uh, Children of Earth. It was uh, over, well, it's about a year and a half now since um, Children of Earth. So it's uh, it's been a long time since we had new Torchwood. Indeed. I mean, I know there are some people that are still bemoaning Yanto, but uh, I, I think by the time this actually comes out, their, their mourning will perhaps be over and they will be able to embrace the new show. I, I think Torchwood deserves a new life. This is going to give it mm-hmm. a sufficient twist. Uh, as we know, at the end of the last Torchwood, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler, but Jack was off-world at this point, and Eve Miles seemed to be going back into uh, domesticity with her husband and um, of course uh, we believe that her husband will be playing at least some part in the early parts of the story 
Yeah. So it's uh, I think it's I think you're right. It's very exciting stuff. And I think you're right about, um, you know, Inyanto, that character. I think once the new series comes, I'm not saying that fans will forget about his character, but um, but I think we need to move on. And, you know, <laughs> it's it's still Torchwood. It's still going to be good. So let's um, let's, you know, give it a chance. It's going to be high profile. And uh, and this all spins off to other things, doesn't it? I mean, I, I, the one person I was hoping that would be come back into it is the the John Hart character uh, mm-hmm. played by um, the the man from Buffy and Small. Yes, Hill, yes. James Marn, Marsden. Marsden. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd love to see him in it. I I, th- I think I recall him expressing that he would be interested in, in coming back to it. He was also recently in. Um, um, Caprica. He was in Caprica, which is a spin-off of Battlestar Galactica. So, um, yeah, it, it, he's definitely. I think he would be interested in returning to it. I remember reading somewhere that he said he confirmed that he would be um, interested in returning to the character. So, oh, he certainly is a, a cameo role in a single episode, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. And we never know. It, it may, you know. Hopefully, though, this first, you know, launch of the series on Stars will be, you know, first of many. So hopefully, it will continue on. I know uh, John Barrowman has ex- already expressed that he would like to continue with the character indefinitely. Right, and uh, just mention uh, uh, two Torchwood audio adventures uh, have been announced for March 2011. BBC World. BBC Worldwide have announced two new adventures for the pre-Golden of Earth team of Jack, Gwen and Yanto. So they're going to get some of them uh, to be released on the 3rd of March 2011. Two stories are called Department X and Ghost Train oh. by James Goss. Excellent. Uh, no other details. I know that uh, before Children of Earth last year they had I think three audio uh, radio series adventures that led into Children of Earth. That um, so it's good to see um, you know the audio adventures of Torchwood come back. There's some other sci-fi, some other British sci-fi news that that you have for us as well, Dave. That you wanted to make a mention of. Uh, well, for little bits, uh, just while we uh, let me mention them. Uh, of course, uh, Merlin has just finished here in the UK series uh, three. Uh, there's a little bit of uncertainty about what's happening, but it definitely is coming back for a series four, but it's not quite sure whether we might have to wait um, until 2012 even. Uh, Digital Spy and uh, one or two other sites seem to be quite at odds uh, uh, about when it will return. So it could be late in 2011 uh, or 2012. But the, the other news is that it's likely to be only 10 Episodes, not 13, as been the case in the first three series. So, um, again, that's to do with slotting in with uh, other things, I would believe. Other piece of news is um, the being human. There's, um, and again, I'm not sure whether I should relate it, but um, there is supposed to be a new creature. Uh, if people have ever watched Being Human, uh, they will know that there's um, a werewolf, a ghost, and a vampire as the three main creatures. But there will be a, a, another character joining them who will be a different sort of creature. Now, whether you want me to say what that is or not, 
uh, I'll leave to you. Uh, well, I, I actually I've, I've I, never seen uh, being human, so I I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's up to you whether or not you feel. All right. Well, I, well, I'll tell because I don't think it's too much. The, but the, the 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 person will be a zombie, so ah. they will be a zombie as a another character in the new series. And sorry if that spoiled it for you, but uh, well, it, I'm not telling you anything other than the fact that of of what the creature will be. Because zombies have always been popular, you know, especially uh, recently with video games and going back to Night of the Living Dead, zombies have always have a uh, have been popular in culture. So, well, it, there's not many others for them to choose from, is there? And uh, I suppose with one of them being already a ghost, a zombies, perhaps uh, a logical fit to that. Mm -hmm. I'll say so. Yeah. The other thing is that in the UK, in actual fact. Uh, in just uh, a couple of days' time, maybe almost as soon as you've listened to this, uh, on the 16th of December on BBC4 at 9pm, will be a one-off episode, Dirk Gently, uh, of course, from the Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. And uh, this is being considered as a pilot. We should say that this was originally created by Douglas Adams, who created, uh, obviously, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right. So it's a one-off. It's classed as a comedy drama, but of course it's based on the Dirk Gently character, and um, who's a detective, right? Right. Yeah. He's um, rather or not. Andy Hero Dirk Gently operates his eponymous detective agency based on fundamental interconnectedness all things. A little bit like we were doing earlier in the show. <laughs> Perpetual, well, perpetually broke, hopelessly chaotic, and utterly infuriating. No, that's not Louis Trapani, that's <laughs> Dirk Gently. Uh, most people will suspect Dirk is nothing more than a cheap con man, and they might be right, but nevertheless his methods, though unusual, often do produce surprising results. So we have that to look forward to. That's, that's coming up in a couple days now, so... Uh, and um, one other little bit of piece of news, really, that uh, is he's moving all these pieces of paper around on his desk in front of him. Uh, and this is, um, it's not science fiction related in terms of an episode, but uh, there's a, a program in the UK called Eggheads, which is a quiz program, but it's rather a posh one. It's not really for monastery games, although um, there are these um, five well, there are seven eggheads, but they have five on, on any one show who've won major quizzes, you know, like Mastermind and so on in the UK. And teams, equivalent pub quiz teams, go up against them each week with a chance of winning £1,000. If they don't win, it rolls over. So they could win as much as £20,000 if they defeat the eggheads. Well, for the Christmas run-up, they're doing some charity ones. And um, on the 20th... Uh, Monday the 20th of December, 6pm, uh, they will be up against a Doctor Who team. They will be up against the six Doctor Colin Baker. Wow. With Katie... Sorry? I said wow. <laughs> oh, all right, good. Uh, along with Katie Manning, Fraser Hines, Louise Jameson, and John Leeson. And do we need to tell our listeners those characters' names? I don't think we do, do we? Katie, uh, Katie Manning, of course, Joe Grant... Uh, Louise Jameson, Leela, John Leeson, the voice of K9, and Fraser Hines, Jamie McCrinnan. Mm -hmm. Going back to the second Doctor's era. That's great. Yeah. 
and another not science fiction thing, but there's been an absolutely brilliant drama series on BBC One called Accused. There's just one more left this coming Monday, which will be Alison's story. That would be uh, Monday the 20th of December. But it does have some alumni from Doctor Who. The very first opening one was uh, starring Christopher Eccleston. Mm. And the one I watched last Monday had uh, Mark Warren. People will remember Mark Warren from the uh, the famous uh, first Doctor Light episode uh, that we had, the the one with um, the absorber off him. Yes, yes. The, uh, the, the leader of... Uh, Love, and Mar- Lin- Love and Monsters. Love and Monsters, that's right. Uh, and uh, the one prior to that didn't have a Doctor Who actor in it, but had Andy Serkis in it, who, of course, played Gollum and has been played King Kong and is in a lot of uh, programmes of that nature. So uh, really an outstanding programme, not directly science fiction, but it does have actors that people will probably... Uh, admire in it. Uh, an adult, of course, it's for uh, you know 16 and over viewers to think that one. Well, on a related note, I know you had mentioned Christopher Eccleston. He was just recently on Masterpiece Contemporary for his work in the Lennon Naked, which um, we just, this is uh, mid-December right now, and just uh, just a few days ago we had the anniversary of the death of John Lennon, and so I, I, the timing kind of worked out well for that because there's been a lot of television programming here, especially on PBS, about John Lennon. So they showed um, part of the Masterpiece Contemporary series, which is, had David Tennant um, introducing. So it was, you got two doctors in one. And, and actually, um, um, Cum, um, what's the actor's name? Um, Cumming? Um, oh, Alan Cumming. He, he was also... Um, Introduced the the series, and he was up for the part of the ninth Doctor. So you had um all, all these sort of, sort of like Doctor Who tie-ins, and uh, right, yeah. Uh, and the two two more things that uh, I've just I should mention: the Primeval series four will be starting. Uh, and I'm I'm a bit confused about this. I, I think it's I'm not sure when it's starting in America before it starts in the UK, but uh, something like really? the first or second of. Of, of January, uh, series four, uh, according to uh, Primeval Wiki, uh, it says Series 4 of Primeval has been confirmed premiere on January 1st, 2011. Seven episodes in it, uh, which will premiere on ITV before repeated on watch. But I think it's going to be shown in America, maybe on January the 2nd. Uh, and two series commission series four and five but as i say there's only seven episodes in this series four and i think six episodes in what was series five and some of the uh, you know andrew lee pops and harris spit hammer spirit uh, and, and miller from the first one will be coming back joined by some uh, new uh, actors and i think lucy brown as well so four of the original cast will be in it, and uh, that is a, a great programme. And one more I ought to mention, because, again, it's a favourite of it's, it's not really science fiction, although it is. It's a dark comedy, and this is, again, a very adult show called The Misfits, 
which is just ending its run of series two here in the UK. I think the last episode, episode seven, goes out on the 19th of December. The episode six on the 16th, episode seven on the 19th of December. And uh, let me just say that that is a dark comedy. But the, the people in it are, in a way, superheroes. Um, the Misfits follows five delinquents in their 20s on community service and gets struck by lightning and are given special powers. Uh, but hmm. uh, that's only the sort of twist. It's really a dark comedy. Oh, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen it, so I'll no, to check I don't it follow out. it. But I do know uh, uh, quite a few of these sci-fi fandom uh, follow that. Uh, it sounds a little bit like um, on uh, in the U.S. There's a television show. I think um, No Ordinary Family. I think it's called where the, this family has these. Uh, there was an accident, and they were given these abilities. Different. Each one has different abilities. So it sounds similar to that in a certain respect. Yeah, this is a very adult one, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even considered 18. I uh, gotcha. You know, it includes language and quite graphic material. Mm-hmm. All right, well, very good. I, th- I think we probably should wrap things up here. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, well, people can find you on the Cultum Collective, which is a, a shows which you do live every Sunday, I think, on uh, 2 p.m. out Eastern time in the U.S. Eastern Standard Time. Yes, yeah. and that can be found on TalkShoe. And you have five four thank eight you. two one. Uh, say the number again. Five four eight two one. Thanks. Okay, because I was speaking over it before. And then you also have a video blog as well, which you can find on. Well, you can find it on YouTube, but also on. Um, it, it goes out originally on. Um, Blip TV. Blip TV. Thank you. DaveAC.blip.tv. Fantastic, and uh, I appreciate the um, you always opening the show there with some plugs there for Dr. Hupanchuk, so that goes much appreciated there. And uh, so check check those out. You can also follow Dave online on Twitter via Dave AC. You can twitter.com slash Dave AC or at Dave AC. And you can follow me at Lewis Trapani, and, um, and, and that's it. You can follow, uh, of course, we have our website, too, which is the Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi.com or ArtTrap.com. It's probably easier to get to. And um, there you can find, uh, well, we, we have a forum there as well, and any other feedback you'd like to give us, we always welcome your feedback. You can send us feedback at feedback at Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi.com. Uh, I must say, uh, the, the last episode of Podshock, episode 230, brilliant. It was lovely having the guys from the Happiness Patrol on it with some fascinating facts that I learned about the, the props and the TARDIS. Really great uh, listening to those guys and girls. Yeah. And, of course, you had uh, the second Paul, part of the Paul Scoons interview yeah. by Mr. Ian Bissett, the sick doctor. Yeah, we got a lot of feedback on both accounts. A lot of people enjoyed uh, both segments. So, um, so yeah, hats off to the Happiness Patrol and uh, to Ian and Paul for, for their interview as well. People are looking forward to the continuation of that i know there's more to tell all right well dave thank you so much for uh, joining me on this uh, once again it seems like every time we do one of these hitchhiker's guide to the bridge sci-fi we're sort of like picking you know um sort of like it's like a restart almost so we're a little rusty because uh, we'll, we'll get back on our regular schedule i promise so well, um, well i have this superpower i make podcasts twice as long <laughs> but twice as good <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's decide that. <laughs> well, I've already decided. It has been decided. 
So uh, for all our listeners, we'll be back soon. Until then, happy holidays and um, happy 2011, and we'll be back soon. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. Send feedback to feedback at Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi.com. To support this podcast, please visit the Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi.com or ArtTrap.com and hit the donate button. It's the only way we can bring you this show. You can also visit the shop there for your Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi swag, which includes shirts, mugs, and assorted trinkets with the show's logo. If you're not already a listener, please check out Doctor Who Podchock, the long-running Doctor Who podcast, at gallifreyandembassy.org or podchock.net. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions. Please visit arttrap.com for more on this and other podcasts.